0: Uh, I'd actually planned to go somewhere else, and the Lord kind of shifted that late last night. So I kind of understand that now. So for those of you that that word in worship was for, really pay attention to this message today because I believe this was sent specifically for you, although I think it can apply to all of us. Ezekiel chapter 37 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, "Son of man, can these bones live?" So I answered, "O oh Lord God, you know." I'm going to stop there for a moment, and I want you to kind of get a kind of a visual picture. And I love the way this uh, is written because it kind of lends to that. You're automatically seeing a picture of this vision. Ezekiel the prophet who, by the way, is in captivity in Babylon as he's writing, is given this word from God in the form of a vision. And so in this valley, which a valley is, is a low place, and we've talked about that over the last few weeks in different ways, how we all love to be in high places. We like mountaintop experiences, for lack of a better term. We like to be in places where all the bills are paid on time and the family's all doing good and everybody's healthy and everything's working out and life is good as we know it and and, and all of our dreams are being fulfilled and all those type of things. Who doesn't like that? We all love that. And for every one of those moments, we are thankful. And by the way, if you're honest, no matter what your life is, you've had moments like that. We've had moments like that before we even acknowledge Christ as Savior, before we even began to follow after Him. God's been good to us. And we've had moments where we've been on the mountaintops and we've experienced life at its fullest and we've enjoyed it. And thank God for those moments. But even as Christians, when we're following God, there are times when we're there, but then there's also times where we go into low places. And many times when we go into the low places, we think it's because we've done something wrong. We think it's because we must have messed up somewhere. Maybe we're not following God as closely as we should. Maybe we've committed some sin that we didn't know about. Maybe something's going on because surely God would never purposefully allow us to walk into a low place. And yet the Bible says here that God, by the Spirit of the Lord, brought the prophet into a valley, into a low place. There's another example of that. Right after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in physical form like a dove and the audible voice of God was heard from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The next place we see Jesus is being led, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Now, it's a dry place. For the exact and intent purpose of being tested, tried, and tested by Satan himself. And he was there for 40 days. He fasted during all that time. At the end of that 40 days and at the completion of his fast, we know where the enemy gave three specific temptations that are akin to every temptation every human being ever faces, even now. But it was the Spirit of God who led Jesus to the wilderness. It was the Spirit of God who brought Ezekiel by vision into this valley it was jesus who took peter james and john after being up on the mount of transfiguration with him and seeing jesus in all of his glory as it was before he was incarnated as a child in bethlehem seeing him as god himself seeing him in all of the splendor of heaven it was so wonderful that peter said let's just stay right here and isn't that the way we love it i don't blame you i'm the same way and I wish we could have, if we could go back to the best service we ever had, I wish we could repeat that again and again, and just like it was. Every good moment, every good vacation, every good thing that's there, I wish I could repeat that, kind of like Groundhog's Day, day after day after day after day after day. I wish that was life. But you know what? If that was life, we'd never grow at all. If that was life, we'd never know how to face trouble If that was life, we'd never know how the armor of God works because we'd never have a battle. So Jesus brought Peter, James, and John down from the mountain and the first place he goes is into the valley where there's a young man who is overcome by seizures and they had had the other disciples down there. His father had brought him to the other disciples hoping that they could heal him. Which was not crazy because Jesus had already sent those disciples out two by two. And they had healed the sick and cast out devils and cleansed leprosy. So it wasn't crazy for the man to think that the disciples could do it. But they couldn't do it. Not this time. So Jesus came and he cast the devil. It was a devil that was causing this problem. He cast the devil out and the boy was fine. But none of that happened until they came down. There are times when we're in low places because the Holy Spirit led us there because there's some things about ourselves we need to find out. See, Jesus told the disciples, he said, you've got to understand that this kind cometh not out but by prayer and fasting. And I don't believe he was talking about the devils at all because Jesus had the same amount of power over every devil. No devil bothered him. The Bible says that the demons themselves, when they hear the name of Jesus, they tremble. They, They know the power. But what he said is the reason you couldn't cast the devil out of this boy because the disciples asked him was because of your unbelief. And you see, I don't think the disciples had any idea they still had any unbelief yet. See, they had just had a mountaintop experience. They had just gone out and cast devils out and and, and seen the sick healed. And and Peter, James, and John particularly had been in, in the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. I don't think they realized that they still needed to grow. And they still needed to change, but one minute in the valley and they figured it out. The good news is Jesus showed up just in time. And that's the good news about every low place we go to. Jesus never leaves us and he never forsakes us. When you're in the valley, you're not there alone. He's always right there with you. Sometimes we go into low places because there are things about ourselves that we need to know. Sometimes we go into low places because the Holy Spirit leads us there because we're about to find out something about God that we've never found out before. We're going to find out that there's no demon that's greater than the name of Jesus. We're going to find out that there's no sickness or disease that's greater than the name of Jesus. We're going to find out that there's nothing that can ever conflict with us. No problem, no storm, no difficulty. Have you ever wondered why Jesus allowed the disciples to be on the sea when a great tempest struck and they almost drowned? He was in the boat with them. Matter of fact, in one of the occasions, it happened twice, in one of the occasions, he was asleep in the boat with them. This great storm's raging, and the disciples are afraid they're about to drown and go under, and Jesus is asleep. And these are not, you've heard me say this before if you've been here, but these aren't just people out to have a joyride in a boat that have never piloted a boat before. These are seasoned fishermen. They know how to handle a boat in the Sea of Galilee. But they think they're going to die. So it's serious business. And Jesus stands up and he goes and he says, Peace be still. He commands the storm. And immediately, instantly, the winds stop. The storm stops and everything's calm. And then Jesus looks at the disciples and rebukes them for their lack of faith. See, in that difficult spot, they were about to find out that even Jesus had even power over the natural elements. That's a good thing to know. It's a good thing to know that our God is greater than anything that could ever come against you and I. I don't know what you're battling with today. It may be something outside of your control. And sometimes we walk into low places because we need to figure out that we aren't in control. Control is an illusion. But there's one who is in control. And here's the awesome thing. He loves you more than you could ever begin to imagine. So he brings Ezekiel into this place. And not only is it a low place, it's full of bones. He goes on to say very many of them. So it's a place full of death. And every one of those bones represented a life every one of those lives represented dreams, visions, callings, hopes, aspirations, great ideas that never came about. And what I see today, what I feel, is that not only in this room, but it could be repeated in every church across America and around the world today. I believe every place is filled with many times places where dreams and visions and hopes and ideas and callings for all apparent purposes have gone to die. It's not that there was not one time at one point life, vibrancy, enthusiasm, joy, can't wait, expectation about tomorrow, but, but not, not really now, not so much Matter of fact, in a lot of places, in a lot of churches, there's instead a sense of dread, even a sense of fear, anxiety. Instead of looking forward to tomorrow and what God's going to do in our lives, we dread tomorrow because we think it's just going to be another day repeated like today, like the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. Callings and dreams and hopes and aspirations and visions. And even the idea that God's going to change things. You remember that day you used to think God can change anything? Do you remember? Some of you are like, yeah, I feel that way right now. Thank God. But there's some people in this room who remember a day when they felt that way and they don't feel that way right now. And they're the ones specifically I think the Holy Spirit's speaking to today. There was a day when you thought there's nothing God can't do. But since then, you've gone through some things that you don't understand. You've been through some low places. And all that's left right now are dead dreams and broken callings and visions that don't exist anymore and hopes that have been shattered. And that's what Ezekiel saw. And then God asked him this question. He said, Son of man, can these bones live? Can... I bring life back where there was nothing but death. Can I bring hope back? Can I bring the dreams back? Can I reignite the passion that used to be there? And I love Ezekiel's answer, I always have, because it's so raw and honest and real. Ezekiel the prophet stands before the presence of the Almighty God and his answer is, Oh Lord God, you know. That means I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, God. I look around me and all I see is a lot of death. I don't know, God. I look around me and all I see is a lot of dryness. I don't know, God. I look around me and all I see is a lot of used to be. One day there was life. There was a time when there was a dream. There was a time when there was a vision. There was a time when there was hope. There was a time when there was peace. There was a time when there was unity. Whatever you want to name it for whatever you're going through. And and Ezekiel says, God, I don't know. I'm just looking around me. I don't know. You do, though. So it's an honest answer because Ezekiel saying, God, there's nothing I can do about this, but it also has faith involved in it because he's saying, but you do know there's something you can do about it. And here's the truth, guys. If you've come to me, or you've come to this church, or you've come to any conference, or you've gone to anybody on Christian television, or you've bought any book at any Christian bookstore, or you've gone online and you found any, and you're hoping that that ministry, that conference, that life, that church, that person, that prophet, that teacher, that evangelist, that apostle—if you're hoping whoever they are can breathe fresh life into what was once alive inside of you—you're going to be frustrated at the end of the day. Because you see, here's the thing: they may be as good as good but the bottom line is they don't know where you're at I don't know where you're at I've said this over and over again because I've come to the realization I can know you all my life and you can tell me what I think is everything there is to know about you but at the end of the day there are probably still things that you've reserved and held on to that I don't know and that's okay but here's the good news there is nothing going on inside of you that God doesn't know there is nothing that you've held back from everybody else that your Heavenly Father is not completely and intimately aware of. He knows every broken dream. He knows every lost hope. He knows every calling, every vision and every purpose that you've ever held on to. He knows about the day when you used to thought you were going to do this and you were going to go there and you just thrown it away as some type of pipe dream. He knows about all those. He knows your brokenness and He knows your pain. Thing is, I don't know and I don't know how to help you, but God above, our God inside, He knows. I'm going to about you being a little God. I'm talking about if you're a Christian, the whole, your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. Romans 8 says, The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and abides inside of every born again child of God, and He quickens or brings to life this mortal body. There is a dream igniter that lives inside of you, and He's able. So Ezekiel says, Lord God, you, you know. So in verse 4, and this is so important. He said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. And then you shall know. You'll know intimately, experientially, way down in the depths of you. You'll know that you know that you know that I'm the Lord. Sometimes we can go into low places and it has nothing to do with us. We're led there by the Holy Spirit to see something, to find something. Sometimes we can go into low places and it's all because of us. Sometimes we choose to go a direction that we know God said don't go. Sometimes we choose to hold on to things that we know God said let go of. And when we do, we go into low places. Now we did that. It's not that the Holy Spirit led us there, we went there. We chose that. But even when that's the case, the psalmist David said, Lord, if I go to the depths of the sea, and the depths of the earth, even there, your spirit is there with me. If I go rise to the heights of the heavens, even there, you're with me. There's nowhere I can go where the spirit of the Lord is is not with me. One of the old writers said, called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven because he said he never lets go. He keeps pursuing and he keeps pursuing and he keeps pursuing and he keeps pursuing. pursuing. Matter of fact, there may be a few of you in this room today that thought you got the scent off from the hound of heaven. You thought that you were in a place where God would just leave you alone. Let you just go along and be a good person. Pray a prayer at the altar sometime and go to heaven when you die. And that's enough. That's enough. Don't trouble me with visions and dreams and ministries and callings and ideas and having to let go of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and pain. Don't trouble me with that. Just just let me. I'm happy where I'm at. Let me stay there. And and the Holy Spirit's pursued you before and you finally thought you found a place where maybe, just maybe, you could shake the scent. Well, there's nowhere you can go where the Holy Spirit don't show up. He'll just change the message so that He can speak directly to you. Why? Why? he loves you too much to let you exist when you could live I'm going to say that again he loves you too much to let you simply exist when you can actually live Jesus said the thief cometh not before to steal kill and destroy but I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly that's the kind of life God wants us to live so God says to Ezekiel, and right now he's the only one who's hearing the word of the Lord. Everything else around him is dead. Here's the, uh, let me talk to believers who are saying, man, I know God's called me. I know God's got his anointing on me. I feel the vision. I feel the dream. I'm excited. God's speaking to me every day. Good. Let me talk to you. Because if that's you, you may be the only one in your family that's hearing the word of the Lord. If that's you, you may be the only one in your workplace who's hearing the word of the Lord. It's not that the others aren't capable, it's just that right now they're they're too distracted by what's going on in their life. They've got too many voices b- bouncing around in their head, the voices of the world and the voices of other people, maybe well-meaning people, but they're not hearing the Word of the Lord. So if you are totally I mean you're here in vision you've got then hear me you're like Ezekiel and God's saying to you start speaking over this dryness start speaking over this death start listen if you sit in this church and let me talk to our home folk for just a minute if you sit in this church and you look around and sometimes you think man I wish there was more life man I wish there was more vision man I wish there was more dream then you're maybe maybe you're the one that God's saying prophesy speak Speak the word of the Lord. Well, I'd love to if Brother Lynn would just give me the microphone. For goodness sakes, you don't have to have a microphone to speak the word of the Lord. Go into your prayer closet and speak the word of the Lord where it really counts. Get in the presence of God and start speaking life. Start calling up names as you see faces and start speaking life over that person. You know somebody in this room who's depressed? Start speaking life over that person who's who's depressed. Somebody in your family that's broken, running from God, get in your prayer closet every day if you're hearing the voice of God and you know He can use you and start speaking life instead of death. Start thanking God that God, he don't know it, she don't know it but I thank you, you're surrounding them with your favor I thank you, God, that you're putting people right beside them at work, they may not like them at first, but they're going to be your people and you're you're going to hedge them in to the right and to the left, and the glory of God is going to come behind them, but even if it's your children, you've got promises in the word of God that you can claim I thank you, God, that my children are set apart for the Lord, and in your righteousness they will be established, and great will be the peace of my children well, you just don't know my children, no, but I know your God and that's what he said so when are you going to start speaking God's word instead of everyone else's because everybody else's words ain't going to get them where God wants them so start speaking the word of the Lord at this point Ezekiel is the only one who can thank God that he did he says prophesy do you know how hard it is to speak life where nobody else knows it sees it or wants it You feel like you're crazy. You feel like you're strange and weird. But somebody's got to. Maybe you're that Ezekiel. Maybe you're that person that God's called to speak the word of the Lord because the person that you're concerned about or the people that you care about right now, they're too distracted to hear. They can't see life anywhere. So speak the word of the Lord. And so Ezekiel did. He began to prophesy the word of the Lord. Verse 7 So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was still no breath in them. Now, this is an important stage. Because the prophet's been obedient to God. And he's seen some... He's, you could actually say he's seen a miracle. Now I know this is all a vision. But he's seen a miracle. What was just death and just bones scattered everywhere. All of a sudden out of nowhere as he spoke the word of the Lord there was a noise. And in that noise the bones began to supernaturally come together on their own. I don't know about you but I've read this before. and I thought it almost sounds like a nightmare if you're not careful. I mean it's like whoa what is all this? But bones begin to come together. And find their place, and then God puts flesh on them, and man, they look good. All of a sudden, it's like we got a great army here. But there's still a problem there's still no breath. And until there's breath, there's no life. See, a lot of times, this is where we quit. Because, can I be just real honest with you? Walking with God is the best thing you'll ever do for now and all eternity. The benefits are greater than anything, but if anybody ever tells you easy, they just sold you a big lie. There's nothing easy about it. If you are standing in the gap, particularly for somebody that you love, that is battling... With spiritual death and lack of a dream or lack of a vision, it can be long. It can be drawn out. You have to speak when nothing... Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. And all you want inside of you is to go back to normal. There is something in the human nature that you can do that so long and then everything screams, Oh, can we just get back to normal? And what we're tempted to do because it's not easy is the minute we see a little activity, we say, "Woo, there it is, hallelujah. Especially us charismatic. Woo, we'll even say it. There it is, bless God, hallelujah. Woo, I hear, woo, feel, there it is, hallelujah. And if we're not careful, what we take that to mean is, okay, I can quit now. Whew. There's been a noise, hallelujah, it's over. Well, look, everything looks good. Oh, man, it looks good. It looks good. We had a worship service and everybody was, they were raising their hands. Oh, they came to the altar and they cried. Bless God. There's a a noise. Hallelujah. It's good. It's overdone. I can go back to normal. Bless the Lord. I can watch my TV shows again. Hallelujah. Back to football. Hallelujah. It's coming up, you know. Cowboy's year. Oh, did I say that? Forget it. Anyway, anyway. Uh, That's It looked good, but there's still no breath. You know, let me be honest with you. My kids will tell you I told them this. When they were teenagers, we'd occasionally have youth events, and they were good. And we'd occasionally go to youth events, and they were good. I mean, God would do great things. And all the youth would, like, go to the altar, and everybody would be crying, and all kinds of things would be going on. But I told my kids, I, I loved that. And I so longed for that to be my kids. But I told them, don't you ever fake it. I don't ever want you to go to the altar just because everybody else is going to the altar. I don't ever want you to lift your hands because everybody else is. Don't ever go up and do anything because when it's real, I want to know it's real. The day I see you go to the altar, I want to know that's a God thing. That it's not something that you're just doing because mom and dad want you to or because everybody else wants you to or because you feel actually the pure pressure is to go because everybody's going. I don't want it to be about that. I want it to be real. And they'll tell you I told them that. So you know what happened? The day I saw every time I've seen my kids go to the altar, I believe it. And it blows me away. If they ever come to the altar, you'll probably see me get choked up because when they come... I hope that's still in their mind. I don't want anything that's not real. Because here's the problem. A lot of times we're tempted to believe that everything's okay when all we've seen is and all we've heard is a noise and seen a little rattling. But there's still some deep, deep stuff that's not right, yet there's still no life. There's not any life until there's breath, and breath represents the spirit of God until the Spirit of God is allowed to come in and take over your dreams, take over your visions, take over your plans, take over your marriage, take over your life, take over your family, take over your work, all it is is noise and good-looking formation. And guys, let's be honest. We know how to fake it. It don't take long to figure out how to fake it. You may have never walked into a, Pentecostal church before in your life. Give us five minutes. You can figure out how to fake it. Okay, everybody's got their hands up. Everybody's got their, okay. Oh, altar. We can figure out how to fake it. But nothing changes till the breath comes. So, hear me, intercessors. Don't quit praying too quick. When when the noise happens, thank God for that noise. Praise God that you see activity. Thank God for it. When you see things starting to look better, I'm not saying don't celebrate. Celebrate. Be thankful. Just don't stop. Don't stop until you see the breath. See, they were all standing together and they looked like a great and mighty army. But there was no breath in them. And so in verse 9, he said to me, Prophesy. Now this this is interesting. First, he's prophesying to the bones. Okay, well I have no theological issues with that. You know, you're prophesying to death. You're prophesying, you're saying, come alive. That's cool. But now it gets interesting. Or at least for me it does. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And speak or say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these. Now notice this term here. It's the first time we've seen this term. Slain. Okay, so why is there so much death here in this valley? Why are there so many bones there? What happened to begin with? Well, now you know. See, they've been in a battle before, and they were slain. Be careful how quick you judge people. I know we love to do that, but guys, usually when you see death of a dream, death of a vision, death of a calling, when you see somebody running, that usually doesn't mean that one day they just woke up and said, you know what, I hate God, and I just want to do everything I can to make everybody I love miserable. That's not usually what happened. 99.9% of the time, they've been slain. They've been pierced. They've been hurt. They've been broken. I, I think it's interesting that the only thing God ever called Ezekiel to do about the bones was to speak life to them. That's it. He didn't tell him get over there and berate them for being dead. Who do you think you are that you died? You should have been alive. What's wrong with you? Why didn't you do what you were supposed to do? Why don't you still have a vision? Why don't you? He didn't say any of that. He just said, speak life over them. And then he said, prophesy or speak to the breath. Now, if the breath represents the Spirit of God, you say, I just don't know. Do you know the Bible says to ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain? We're talking about ask God for a move of the Holy Spirit. Ask God for revival. Ask God to pour out His Spirit. You say, well, I, I just don't think... I think God's in control. And if I don't... You know, He's only going to do... Well, I don't, don't think I'm being rude, but duh. Of course God's in control. If He wasn't, He wouldn't be God by definition. And if, if He's not going to send the rain, guess what? You can... Stand on your head and do dances and everything else. It's not coming. But yet you cannot discount the fact that he said, Ask me for rain in the time of latter rain. And see, I believe we're in the time of latter rain. And whenever you see death surrounding you, I believe it's time for the breath to come. You say, well, what if I pray and it don't happen? Well, I don't know, but I'd whole lot rather be praying that it happen than not. Every now and then I'll see somebody post something that if I'm going to err at all, I'm going to err on the side of love and grace. Every time I see it, I say, Amen. God, I'm going to pray. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy to the breath. Come and breathe on these slain. God, they've been broken. Well, He already knows. But God, they've been broken. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They've lost their dream. They've lost their vision, but they haven't lost your love. So Holy Spirit, come and breathe on them. So, again, Ezekiel did it. He prophesied just as the Lord had commanded him, and death came, or, or breath, excuse me, breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood up on their feet. Notice this, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Those are the covenant people of God. These bones are the covenant people of God. They indeed, now here's what the people had said. They indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. That word cut off meant the covenant doesn't apply to us anymore. We've been removed from the covenant. Here's a hopeless group of folks. Now, God lets you in on something we didn't know before. Before they died, before they got so dry, here's what they were saying. We're hopeless. God doesn't care anymore. God's not hearing us. We're cut off from the covenant. God ain't going to do anything about our situation. We're very, very dry. Guys, there is great power in what you say. Only for this reason alone. What you say reveals what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We've been hammering on that week after week after week. Seems like the Holy Spirit always finds a way to get us back there. But it says, the power of life and death itself is in the tongue. What you're saying reveals what you're thinking. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart... So easy. If you think there's no hope, you're going to experience a life of no hope. If deep down on the inside of you, you think God's forgotten you, that's not true, but you're going to live your life as if it is. If deep down on the inside of you, if you think that that there's no, no chance that you're going to ever fulfill your calling or walk in your dream or walk in your vision, that's not the truth. But if you believe a lie long enough, it becomes a truth for you. Do you remember, and I'm about done, but do you remember when the children of Israel the first time came up to the edge of the promised land where God wanted to take them over and and Moses sent some spies into the land to just look at it? And they came back and, man, they said, Moses, everything God said about this place is true. It says it's got vineyards that are just producing unbelievable amounts of fruit. matter of fact, they came back with a cluster of grapes that was so big that it took two full-grown soldiers to carry it between them. And they said, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's all kinds of abundance there, just like you said. But there are giants there and great walled cities. And then they made an unbelievable telling statement. They said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. We can't take this land. And because of that, they had to wander 40 years in the wilderness before another generation was raised up and Joshua led them into that land because they didn't understand that it was God who had brought them out of Egypt. It was God that had parted the Red Sea. It was God that had brought water from the rock. It was God that had been a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day for them to follow all along the path. It was God that had sent manna from heaven so that they could eat. It was God that had done it and it was God that was going to defeat their enemies. But instead of seeing the size of their God, all they saw was the size of their own son and the size of their enemy and because of that not because they couldn't get in but because they thought they couldn't get in they actually didn't get in now it would have been really easy for them to say well god didn't do what he said he would do no god did everything he said he would do it's just the problem is they couldn't see that it wasn't about them it was about god What they saw, even though it was false, was the reality that drove the next 40 years of their life. Now listen, I just said something. I didn't even realize I was saying it, but I just feel like I'm supposed to say that again. What they saw, even though it was false, determined the next 40 years of their life. There are people in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about and there are people in this room who are. you don't realize it but what you're seeing even though it's false can become a reality in your life that can determine decades of the way that you live that God never intended for you. So we got to be careful what we see. What we choose to believe. And what we say. Ezekiel, though all he saw was death, spoke life. The children of Israel became that valley of dry bones because what they saw in themselves, though it wasn't what God saw, they believed. And therefore they said, we're hopeless, we're cut off from the covenant of God, we're very dry, God can't do anything about it. And so they wound up, didn't plan on saying this, but they wound up living and dying in a place that God had only sent them for a moment. See, God had only brought them into that low place for a season if He brought them there. But because of what they couldn't see, they lived and died there. But here's the good news. Somewhere in this room today, God's speaking to people that won't give up. And He's speaking to people that have other people on their heart and on their mind. And He's saying, Speak life. For some other people in this room today, you've already given up. You realize that what you saw, even though it wasn't true, has influenced the last 5 years, the last 10 years, the last 15 years, the last 20 years of your life, and you're ready to break that pattern. Here's the good news. God can still send breath inside of you. He can still bring you together with others who need to help you fulfill your vision. He can still raise you up and make you into everything He called you to be. So as we close out, God says, therefore, prophesy and say one more thing. He says, Ezekiel, they're saying, they said, we're hopeless. They said, we're dry and we're dying. They said, we're cut off from the covenant of God. So therefore, prophesy, speak, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, oh, I love this, oh, my people, I love this. This has been a theme we can't seem to get away from. Even in their dead, dry place, God didn't disown them. He said, hey, you're still mine. Here's why I want you to go say to them. Say to them, oh, my people. And I think there's emotion in that, oh. I think the heart of God sees the death and the brokenness inside of us. Oh. People, you don't have to stay here. You don't have to live here. This doesn't have to be your destiny. Oh, my people. I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land, bring you into the promised land, the promise, Israel. And then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, here it is again, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit, that's the breath, in you. And you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Says the Lord. Now I don't know what your word has been over your life lately. I don't even know what your word has been over the people that you love lately. But I do know what God's word over you is. And that's the one that trumps everything else. That's the one that matters. He still calls you His. Yeah, but Pastor, I've blown it. I'm closer to being that dead, dry corpse in the valley than I am who I used to be. Matter of fact, I I just don't even, I mean, I don't know if there's hope left. Well, it sounds like Israel. It's exactly what they said. And because they said it, that's what they became. But even then, (laughs) you see, if you were talking to me, it'd be hopeless. If you're talking to brother so-and-so that you watch on television, it's hopeless because we're just human beings. We... We can't bring the dead back to life by ourselves. But I've got good news for you. We serve a Savior who stood at the entrance of the tomb of a friend of his who had been dead for four days by the name of Lazarus. And when he stood there, he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a dead man got up and walked out of the grave. And he's still the same God. It says he's the God who calls things that are not as though they are and speaks life into dead things. So I don't know what you've been saying about yourself. I don't know what you've been saying about the people you love. I know it's tempting to get up. Let's just get real bluntly, authentically, genuinely honest with each other. It's easier to give up on people sometimes than it is to stand in the gap and keep praying. It's easier to just throw in the towel and just say, Well, I've done everything I can do, and it's just that, I'm just, you know, everybody's got, I'm just going to go on and do my thing. But I still believe, as a matter of fact, to be real honest with you, I think that the next great move of God is to raise up a generation of intercessors who dare to believe that God is big enough to do everything he promised to do and refuse to quit until they see breath come into the dead things that they've been praying about, even if it takes years to see it come to pass. And by the way, in some cases it might. But it's worth it. And if you're one of those who've just been saying it's over, it's done, I don't even feel like trying anymore. I get it. I get it. If you fought and, fought and fought and fought and fought and stood and stood and stood and stood and, stood and hoped and hoped and hoped and hoped and prayed, and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and it got worse and not better, sometimes it's just easier just throw up your hands and say, "You know what? I'm not going to be a bad person and I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die, but I'm just I can't do this anymore. Hey, I get it. matter of fact, let me just be honest with you, I hope it don't blow you away. I try to tell you how human I am. I've been there repeatedly done it. But the good thing is, there's something about the Holy Spirit. We talked about that hound of heaven. (laughs) He won't let me stay there. After a while, he keeps coming back, convicting me. You know, this isn't all there is. You know better than that. This isn't what I've called you to settle for. Come on, get up. Not in a mean way, just get up. Breathe again. Hope again. Dare to dream again. Speak life again. You know how to battle this. You know how to fight. Get up and put that armor on. After you've done everything to stand, don't fall down. Stand there. I'll do the rest, but believe. Dare to believe. I haven't changed. And he hasn't. The same God that breathed life in this vision, which was prophetically about the nation of Israel. And by the way, here's the thing when God gave the vision to Ezekiel, Israel was in captivity. It could not have looked worse. Jerusalem had been overrun. The nation was taken captive. The best and the brightest were slaves of the king of Babylon. And he ruled with an iron fist. Matter of fact, even though Israel came back to their land some 70 years later, there was always like one group or another that came in and dominated the nation of Israel from the Roman Empire on and on and on. So there were many Jews who probably couldn't believe that this prophecy would ever be fulfilled until one day in 1948. 1948. I said 1948. Some of you were alive then. Not me. But some of you were. But since I'm a student of history, I know the facts. All of a sudden there is an Israel. Israel. Now, since then and still to this day, there are all kinds of people that live and breathe to destroy Israel and blow them off the face of the map. I got news for you. Not going to happen. Do you know why? Because God said this is going to happen. And it took decades and centuries. And there were many times that they came back in the land. They actually got in the land and everything looked good and everything looked great. But then another dictator would come in and drive them out of the land and take over the temple. And it just... and. They were dispersed. They tried to kill him. Hitler probably thought he did a pretty good job. But the worst man had to offer, the best Satan could come up with, could not, listen, could not defeat the promise of God. And even though it took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to come about, today you can see the living, breathing fulfillment of this very passage of Scripture because a prophet, when it looked like it was impossible to ever see it, was willing to speak what God says. Now, I don't know what you're dealing with, but chances are it's not quite as dire as what Ezekiel saw. But even if you feel like it is, if you'll stand and not quit, if you'll believe and you'll hold on, and you will speak what God tells you to speak, even though right now it totally disagrees with what you see physically. I know it's just, it's strange when God says speak. Everything's going to be all right, and everything's falling apart. You feel like God. I feel like an idiot. People ask me, how are you doing? I'm saying, hey, it's okay. It's going to get better, praise God. And everything in me says, I I don't know how. I feel like they're going to think I'm one of those crazy people. Hey, it could be worse. Dare to speak what God says. I don't know how long it will take, but I do promise you this. If you really have got a hold of the word of the Lord, and we've got it, I don't care how many enemies try to stand between you and the fulfillment of that promise God gave you. One day, somewhere, it's going to happen. Just like God said. But He's raising up a generation of people who will dare to believe it. Now, I don't know which side of this you stand on today. You may be the intercessor that God's raising up. Right now, you've got all kinds of vision, all kinds of dreams. You believe that God can do anything and God's calling you to speak life into other people who don't have that dream and don't have that vision. Praise God. Do it. Do it. And don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. But maybe you're one of those people that have said already, it's hopeless. I'm very, very dry. I feel like I've just been cut off from God. I don't know where He is. If He's listening, I'm not hearing Him. I see nothing but death. I've got news for you today. I believe God sent this word so that you can know that somewhere, God's telling somebody to speak life over you. But you know what will make all the difference in the world? If you dare to believe it and you start speaking God's word over yourself, it will change everything. I want you to bow your heads with me today. Father God, we release this message to you. God, I thank you your word never returns empty, but it always accomplishes what you sent it out for. This wasn't exactly what I intended to preach today, and you know that, but God, you sent this because there's somebody or a number of people who needed to hear this for whatever the reason today. So God, we let it go. We let you have it. I thank you that the seed of your word is going and I thank you it will go deep into the hearts of your people. And the Father will bring forth fruit in our lives because we'll treasure it. We'll believe it. We'll obey it. Father God, I thank you where there was no hope, there will be hope. Father God, where there was only despair and discouragement, I thank you, God, that once again a dream would start to exist. Lord, that a vision would begin to arise deep within them. Father God, for those who are the intercessors in this room, that they know what you can do, but even they've gotten tired. They've grown weary. Father, they want to settle for whatever they've seen so far, even though it's not really the whole thing, and they know it. God, I pray that you would breathe fresh hope and life into them to keep praying, to keep believing, to keep standing in faith on what they put before your throne, to never give up. Father God, I pray today for rain. Holy Spirit, rain. Lord, we believe we're in that time. Nothing but Your Spirit is going to change anything in this nation. Nothing but Your Spirit is going to change anything in our churches. Nothing but Your Spirit is going to change anything in our own lives or our families. So Holy Spirit, we ask You, let the rain fall. Holy Spirit, breath, wind, come and blow upon these fallen breathe upon these slain God you see the hurts you see the pain you see the brokenness you see the weariness you see the disillusionment and the disappointment you see the heartbreak you see the resentment and the bitterness you see everything that's going on in every heart and life in this room so Holy Spirit wind of heaven come breathe into them again fresh life let them know that they're your people You haven't forgotten them. You haven't cast them aside. You still have a vision over them. You still love them. Your calling still yet remains. God, encourage your people today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, first and foremost, as always, if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never given Him control of your life, you've never asked Him to be your Savior, to forgive your sins, He's here waiting. He loves you so much. God's not angry at you, but He loves you. He's ready to set you free. The blood of Jesus has already been shed to pay for every sin you've ever committed or ever will. He's just waiting for you to accept that gift. If you've never given Jesus control of your life, or maybe you did at one point, but you've run from Him since then, you've never taken it seriously since then, and you're just kind of calling the shots over your life, and because of that, you're broken, you're discouraged, you don't have any idea where God's at but you sure would like to come home. If either one of those things applies to you, would you lift your hand anywhere in this room before we pray about anything or anybody else? I'd love to pray for you. Is there anybody like that in the room today? Okay, then secondly, God sent not only the Word in worship, but He sent this Word in the message today. Change the direction of this service for two types of people, I believe. I believe He sent it for the intercessors who do have a vision and do have a dream but yet you've been standing in faith for a long time and you're tempted to give up whatever you've seen is enough and just going about your own business and God's calling you, no, 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 no. Everything's not finished yet. You need to stand in faith and believe until you see the breath come. It's not enough that you've heard a noise. It's not enough that everything's looking better. you got to stand until you see the breath come. Don't give up. Don't quit intercessors. Don't quit visionaries. Don't Quit, people of God. Hold on and believe and keep praying. Secondly, there are people in this room today that instead of being the visionaries, you've lost your vision. You've lost your dream. You've even said about yourself in so many words, it's hopeless. I can't feel God anymore. If He's here, I don't hear Him. I feel like I've been cut off from God somehow. I don't know if He's ever going to use me again. I don't know if He's ever going to talk to me again. I'm so, so dry. God's saying to you, Oh, my child. Hear it? Oh, my child. You don't have to live this way. It doesn't have to be this way. I've not given up on you. I still call you mine. Let my breath come. Make you live again. Still got a dream for you. Still got a calling on your life. There's still a vision. Dare to believe me. If you fit either of those two categories, the visionary, the intercessor who's just grown tired and weary, ready to settle for whatever you got and say that's enough, or the person who's been broken and you feel hopeless and dry and you know God's speaking to you today. Maybe you're even the one who was awake between 145 and 245 this morning that the Holy Spirit spoke to earlier. But you know God's speaking to you. Either one of those two things, I want to pray for you today before we go. If you're ready to say, yes, God, I believe you're speaking to me. I believe there's still hope. Just by the very fact that you reached out to me today, I trust you. God, help me. Hold on. If that's you, would you lift your hand high? Anybody in the room today, you know God's speaking to you. You can put your hand up. You can put it right back down. You know that's you. You know Don't give up. Don't quit. God's not finished yet. He still calls you His own. He's not embarrassed by you. He loves you. No matter how dry you are, He loves you. He's still got a move of God. That's this move of the Spirit that's coming. Dare to believe. Hold on. Anybody else real quick? Put your hand up. Put it right back down. And I want to pray for you before we close today. All right, let's stand together in this room. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you if you've spoken specifically and directly into hearts and minds. I thank you for those who have been bold enough to acknowledge that and lifting their hands. And Lord, they're not talking to me. They're talking to you and they're saying, God, I know you're talking to me. I believe it. Help me, God. Help me hold on. God, I thank you. You heard that prayer. You see it. So I speak to the wind of heaven and I speak to the rain Holy Spirit breathe 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 fresh peace fresh hope fresh life fresh courage fresh vision fresh dreams Holy Spirit breathe Jesus' name. Courage. Strengthen. Hold them, God. Hold them. In the name of Jesus. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. God, I declare that over them today. In Jesus' name, we thank you for encouraging them, giving them fresh hope. We speak life over them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you today. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'll be around as long as you need us to be. Otherwise, we're going to let you go. Go in the grace of God. No services tonight. Amen. We hope amen. to see you back here Wednesday. Yes. Yes. One more na-